Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners with me, Simon Evans. Joining me tonight are the Bert and Ernie of the UK comedy circuit, Josh Howie and Nick Dixon. I'm not sure which way around that is, but that's probably because I don't really watch The Muppets rather than know your personalities. I'm, I'm Ernie. You're Ernie. Is he the grumpy one or the senior? Yeah. Which, which is one with the thick eyebrows and the intellect? I'll be that one. OK, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are definitely the most Muppet-like. I Thank you. Yeah, but it's just because you're better upholstered. Josh is starting to look more and more like a kind of wooden marionette these days. Thanks, mate. I want a compliment. That's the keto. I'm going to put that on my Edinburgh show poster. Like a kind of boneyard. Wasting away. Let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages. We start, as always, with the Daily Mail. Police checks on Russian and Chinese nationals have been axed. And also, of course, the sad news that we've lost Olivia Newton-John. Her photograph also on the front cover of the Daily Telegraph with what looks like an almost um, uh, overly topical news story reference as well. The driest year since 1976 as drought looms. The Guardian has trust tax plans could cost 50 billion a year without helping the worst off. And there is Olivia again. The Daily Mirror has the ugliest, sinister side of Ryan Giggs. And Olivia Newton-John dies at 73, hopelessly devoted to you. The Times has hosepipe bans could last until October amid new heatwave. We are exempt down in Brighton, but I won't be digging that one too hard. And the Trust Plan's electoral suicide note warns Raab. Mm. Daily Express has positive trust. Britain's best days are ahead of us and tributes to Greece legend. And the Daily Star has gigs in the dock. On the pitch, his skills were a thing of beauty. Off pitch, there was a much uglier and more sinister side to his character. And R.I.P.'s handy. So those are the headlines. We kick off in a moment. So let's start then with Tuesday's Independent. It seems like the only thing Boris Johnson is planning over the next few weeks is moving plans. It does seem a bit that way, yes. Boris Johnson won't act on cost of living crisis as he rejects pleas for emergency budget. So it's the Independent doing a bit of a blonde man bad story. I mean, he's already leaving, lads, but they want to have a pop at him because they're saying that he's, uh, he won't intervene on the cost of living crisis, refusing calls for an emergency budget yeah. or regular COBRA meetings, etc. And they're criticising this zombie... Tory government, and a few of the papers have had a go at him. The implication is sort of, Boris can't be bothered, now he's leaving, which is pretty much what you, you would expect from Boris. Um, yeah. But and one paper even said, I think it was the Mail said, he's making £13,600 in this period. And you think, not that much for the most important job in the country, but I see what they mean. But to be very fair, as a government spokesperson said, look, you'll understand that by convention, it's not for the Prime Minister to make major fiscal interventions during this period. It's for the future Prime Minister. So those are the two sides, I yeah. think. But we're not, it, the point is, we're not living in a time of convention necessarily. We're living, arguably, we're heading up to an emergency, which is why we need someone to step in. I mean, it says PM will not call COBRA meetings. 
Well, just call the COVID meetings. We don't expect you to actually go to them anyway. It doesn't have to. It doesn't, it doesn't normally it is, go. It is a slightly uh, delicate issue. I'm not sure it's delicacy that mm. is its strong suit, but it is a delicate issue if you've got Truss and Sunak who are fighting over this as much as any other single issue. This is mm. probably the, one of the only two or three issues that anyone cares about. What are your economic plans? How are you going to rescue us? It would be... Possibly problematic if Johnson were to intervene and demand that... Uh, well, we certainly next? setting things up and seeing where these problems are. That's what COBRA meetings are all about. And right. to see, you know, so they can anticipate, it, rather than it happen on the day that mm. we're all the October and then suddenly bills go up and everything just falls apart, yeah. to have this stuff set up and also to, to do it in coordination with both of them. You're talking specifically about the, the heating. The heating, right, and a, but, but a bunch of other things. Yeah. But just general measures. I mean, I don't know, COBRA meetings, they always sound a lot more exciting than they really are, don't they? It just means it's I don't just know. a briefing. I think getting I think people there's, in... There's no actual COBRA. That they're about to unleash <laughs> the snake of economic reform. But, you know, they asked. They also asked if the Chancellor and Adim Zahai uh, was, had any specific plans set up, and, and they said, I'm not aware of the Chancellor doing specific work or any work. No. You know, so... Fair yeah. I, I see what you mean with the cost of living crisis. It is very serious, but um, I sort of forgot Boris was still there, to be honest, with the yeah. leadership colours, but... And this part is Which annoying. Which is probably why he's currently uh, neck and neck with uh, Truss as, as, uh, for, for the... Maybe. <laughs> it says here, um, the caretaker PM and his wife reportedly enjoyed the soothing energies of a mountain villa in Slovenia. And that is pure carry, isn't it? Yeah, when you hear yeah. soothing uh, energies, you just think, oh. Great wallpaper there. Uh, can, yeah. you, can you guys help me out with this expression here? Uh, Sunak seized on Truss's rejection of cost-of-living handouts, arguing that her promise of immediate tax cuts won't touch the sides. <laughs> Family... Won't touch the sides? That's what he said. You the, think that sounds a bit like... I, 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 all I know is that I've only ever heard that expression used <laughs> in one particular no, context. No, that's an expression. That is an expression used about taking a drink. Um, you're so thirsty that it just goes straight down, doesn't touch the sides. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to make that out to be a reference. Supposed to humiliate trust, I don't think. No, 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 it's so specifically. Tuesday's Daily Mail, and it looks like no one's particularly excited about whoever replaces Johnson. Josh, this is a, it's, it's yeah. a very kind of uh, indifferent, isn't it? It, it, it? That's what it seems to be. I mean, I think you've got the sense of that anyway, but to yeah. sort of see it laid out in numbers. And look, these, these you know, YouGov polls and they change and all of that. Uh, as we find out more and more about each, uh, each of the um, uh, candidates. But uh, yes, essentially, blow for Sunak and Truss as they basically, the poll shows that the public thinks neither of them would actually be a better This PM. is YouGov, right? This is YouGov, yeah. There's another poll that's come out today with a slightly less recognised name, but some of the other papers, obviously, with a different Govier. agenda have been pointed to be pushing yeah. it. It's called the Reedman and Seinfeld or something. Yeah. But, it, but they say very clearly that, that Truss would beat Starmer and that Sunak wouldn't. So they've kind of separated okay. them more. The, the big message seems to be that Truss is way out ahead. Well, certainly amongst the Tory and voters. Among the well, yeah. this one says no, because actually this one, it puts her at 28%, right. and it puts um, Sunak at 27%. So oh, it's right. not really a massive no. shift. Now, obviously, with Tory voters, there yeah. is. The, I'd say the biggest, the most interesting part of this poll is about the swing voters, and that's always going to be who carries the, the, the election, is who actually I don't those. think there are swing voters. I think what there are is unmotivated voters who either vote or don't vote if they... Th and very few people who vote Tory one year and then, and then Labour the next year. What there are are a load of people who do or don't vote depending on how activated they've become. I know the red wall swung and you might say, well, that's evidence that there are swing voters there. There might be in certain special occasions when they look at Labour and go, you guys have totally lost the plot over 
paedophile rape gangs or whatever, you know, and, and you used to be like, uh, you know, in, in favor of organized labor, and now you basically seem to be kind of woke weirdos. That that can happen, that's but that's good, once in a generation. This is your Tory political speak, campaign going on there. Generally speaking, I think voters are either, they have to be activated, that's the key. What do you think? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the basic headline that none of them would be better than Boris reminds me in football terms of when Jose Mourinho left Man United. No one thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was going to be better, but Mourinho had fallen out with the players, especially yeah. Pogba, so he had to go. Yeah. That's kind of what's happened with Boris. No one really thinks that the others are going to be better, but it is interesting here that, um, that amongst all voters, Truss and Sunak are tied on 24%, but a large number are, were undecided. So, that, you know, that's the thing. It's the next two years. Yeah. Will Truss have a chance to, you know, or, or Sunak have a chance to get ahead? Probably Truss. Uh, <laughs> as it says here, 41% who voted Conservative back Truss. 62% of the swing voters still back Boris, which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, but th there is those undecided. So there is a chance, you know, I think Truss has a chance of being a I don't. Sunak is a very easy target with all his, you know, he's too rich. The Tom Ridgewell thing the other day. Trust is sort of very solid. I think she has a chance to beat Starmer if she does well over the next two well, years. Well, I wonder but, how much have, we don't know about her. That's well, the there thing. might be. Course, well, we don't know a great deal about her. But equally, I think she's kind of she's moved around in senior positions, but not the kind of position where you get the kind of support you do as prime minister. She might just come into her own when she has all of that. When she's like the warhead of a. She life, might, or know. she might fall apart. She but, might. Yeah, but sixty-four percent thought inflation was the main priority. In that mm. sense, you think it favours Rishi because he's, he's economics thing, but not because. Because he's, he's presided over terrible yeah. But even more so important than that, it says 17% that said that they should focus on tax cuts. Only 17%, which is a very interesting... So maybe they're going more with Sunak's idea. Let us move on from Labour and the Tories. Does The Guardian have a story about the Lib Dems, believe it or not? Uh, not heard much from them in the last few years. I know, Ed Davey. Remember him? That, that could almost be the uh, Lib Dems slogan. Remember us? <laughs> it's the Lib Dems. So Ed Davey calls for halt to energy price cap increase to avoid catastrophe. So he's saying that Truss and Sunak should cancel the £1,400 energy price cap increase in October and do a new energy furlough scheme. And this is this weird thing now where we, everything is a furlough. I mean, obviously, this is an extreme problem. We do need to sort it, and they'll ultimately have to do something. But it's funny that once you've started giving out money yeah. in the lockdown, which you could say may have caused a lot of this, you're sort of stuck in a cycle of Oh, of hello, communism. socialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So, um, so basically, you know, Truss has said she doesn't want to give people handouts. Tories obviously don't want to do a windfall tax because it doesn't go down well with the members. But that Davey's saying you have to do a windfall tax. Hmm. And that's that's more or less a size. I mean, I could go on, but that's more or less What a would size. you do? Have we got any sort of interesting uh, creative lateral uh, solutions to the energy crisis? Look, I'm... No, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, this is... At least he's proposing something because... Yeah. For a lot of people, going up, you know, these energy bills going up a thousand pounds or fourteen hundred pounds increase in the yeah, price cap. Same. That's a massive. That's a. That's a huge jump for a lot of people who are already on the edge. Yeah, yeah. That will put a significant number I of families. Start, I'm quite serious. Over. I think they should start looking at, for instance, having communal spaces where people can go and stay warm during the day. Libraries. Yeah, libraries, churches, church halls, that kind of thing. Well, they're saying you know people phone, people aren't going to buy or food. Even if you've got a, a neighbour next door, an old lady, you know. Yeah, 41% yeah, of people here saying they would spend less on food. Yeah. Uh, some people saying they're not going to use any heating at all, which I d isn't, isn't 
practical and you know when things can really get cold and the and, trouble and is i mean quickly. i know people say we have an obesity crisis and maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing if people spent a bit less money on food but of course they won't spend money less money on good food will they they will remain fat and won't get their nutrients yeah what's quite interesting sorry just to add to this is that um you think okay uh, the tories don't want to do handouts they don't want to do windfall taxes but actually uh, conservative vote 41 percent of conservative voters say they're going to spend less on food wow. and it's almost half of general voters but mm. still even for conservatives so they're going to be forced to do something about this because even Tory voters are saying this is a yeah. good problem. Yeah. Well, there we are. I know you're staying off the sweets, Josh, um, but the Change Times has a story why it might, might be in the nick of time, actually. Yeah, so nine out of ten NHS uh, dentists across the, uh, England are not accepting any new adult patients. And they've done a massive survey uh, about like 8,500 8, uh, practices yeah. across the UK. And it's, it, essentially what they're saying is that the, the, the British Dental Association are saying this, uh, the results uh, reflect years of chronic neglect into the dentist. Neglecting what, though? In, in terms of financial neglect and just the government not but keeping their own But I don't quite understand what's being neglected. Surely this is just dentists deciding it's more profitable to be private, isn't it? Yeah, but, the, but then they haven't been investing or pay, basically paying attention to that industry. A lot of people can't afford that and people aren't signed up. But who hasn't been investing? The government. Well, how would they invest? If, if a dentist doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be NHS, they well, I guess they can, the, I, they can make but more the, money. But I believe that a lot of dentists have sort of are part NHS, part private. Yeah. So there are still, there are going to be people who can't afford who are entitled to dentistry. Yeah, work. no, I totally yeah, yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as a, I'm a, an NHS patient, I'm very grateful for the fact that we managed to snag one. But what, what I'm saying is I don't see what the government can do. What, you mean pay more? Well, what pay they've done... NHS? What they... Well, I guess put more money into that. But also yeah. they just seem to have not done very much. These are some things that they've just, they've just put through, which is like not people who have healthy teeth getting checkups every two years, yeah. um, making giving dental therapists more responsibility. So they, it looks like they're looking... Looking back on it now, but the thing about and anybody who's had a toothache knows, yeah. it's like it's something that you don't think about until, until it happens, yeah, yeah. and then when it happens, you're like, whoa, and you're calling out, yeah. trying to find a dentist, trying to find out. It's too late then, and that's I think what's happening here. I suppose to answer your question, one obvious thing would be to bring over people who are prepared to be NHS dentists. That's been one solution, hasn't it? Yeah. But, but yeah, it is a bad situation. You've got people doing their own fillings. I mean, I'm from the north. I, just, I thought that was normal, but people are doing their own fillings at home with with resin and superglue, mm. and you've got it's interesting. You've got six million fewer people seeing than pre-lockdown, which the mail called pre-pandemic, but I'm correcting to pre-lockdown, because yeah. that's a huge problem. As always, people don't want to talk about I lost a, uh, I lost a, a metal, I don't know if it would be called a crown or a filling, but a lump of metal that was in a molar came out about a week into lockdown Bummer. in 2020, and I lived without it for, for the whole time. That's it's very Simon Evans, like though, isn't it? Like a volcanic, like a caldera. That's very on brand for you. You could I've write an article about that. I used uh, to keep bits of peanut in it and uh, but, uh, snack on them later in the day. So you've got these dental deserts now, and I just had a quick look at them, and Lincolnshire, this is what they call them, dental deserts. Right. And Lincolnshire uh, is in there, Stoke, really northeast London, West Essex. And in Lincolnshire, well, my dad's from Lincolnshire, so I looked at this. North Lincolnshire, there's 32 dentists per 100,000 people. Wow. Is that bad? I guess it is. It sounds low, it doesn't sounds, it? Yeah, it does sound bad, yeah. I just feel slightly um, inclined to be suspicious when the professional body for, uh, for, for the dentists are just going, the government have let us down. I think possibly dentists are making self-interested decisions yeah. within an infrastructure that could be tilted I'm back. Sure, but then does, then does then the government get involved yeah. to balance it out a bit more? You could know? be. Finishing this section with a Daily Mail story that if you're calling 999 for a heart attack, you may well be visited by the police.
Yep, NHS is sending police officers to heart attack call-outs due to paramedic shortage. So, bizarre situation. I mean, we've got a strange broken culture now. Police effectively becoming ambulances, um, which is shocking because it, it takes away from the time they could be spending investigating Lawrence Fox's tweets. Yes, so, um, right. I mean, <laughs> it says here, <laughs> it emerged today that police officers in England and Wales are spending up to a third of their time on non-policing matters. Who knew? Including picking up the NHS staff workload. Uh, so it's, it's pointing out that they, they're pulled away from tackling crime and mental health crises and, and bad tweets to, to, do, to, to see cardiac arrest patients. Yeah. Uh, so well, that, basically to perform sort of manual labour, yeah. is it, in that, in that case? Well, they're doing defibrillators. And I can't remember, I was looking through these stories earlier, I don't know if this is the same one or whether we'll be coming back to it later, but meanwhile, nurses are being told yeah. to do cleaning, right? Yeah, well, they, yeah. And I mean, it, there's this kind of real, let's all just muck in. Well, it seems to me there's like a massive crisis of, like, of yeah. hiring, yeah. and they seem to be sort of hiring the wrong people for the wrong jobs, and like, you do that, yeah. and then we need to hire that person to do that job, and that, and it's like, but the real problem it's is we've got, we, they've known this for a while now, we've got um, 6,000 GPs short, we're yeah. tens of thousands of nurses, is short. They're talking about bringing over people, but what they're going to do is they're going to lower the criteria by, like, i.e., hiring a lot of people who don't have English as a first language. Well, they can do social care, right? Well, that's but, what they're saying they yeah. can sort of be, but I don't know if that's still. You know, I mean, it sounds kind of brutal, the implication yeah, being that social pe care patients don't, don't matter. Well, yeah, you know, which yeah. is ridiculous, of course. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a problem. That, again, this is, the, uh, this is all from Steve Barkley, who's the new um, mm. health secretary. And they're saying, like, it, it just seems like there's a theme here of, like, the, there are decisions that need to be made now. What it always seems as well with the NHS and with all this kind of stuff yeah. is that you would think, you know, with the, the, the advances in computing technology in the last 40 years, running a decent database and organising, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like if you weren't going to a manpower or whatever, one of those temp agencies, you know, and you tell them your skills and then they will find you appropriate work on a daily basis. But... It seems like they're getting worse at it, if anything. Do you yeah, but this is like years, there's just years of a yeah. lack of training and we just don't have enough people coming out. And welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans, with Josh and Nick. Let's crack on with this fine distillation of Tuesday's papers. We have uh, the first of our cheddar stories now, I understand. Yeah, this cheddar is, uh, being cash. The jingle jangle. Jingle jangle. Yeah, my money don't uh, jingle jangle, it folds. Okay. Was, get that reference at all? That, I remember they is used to rap? do the thing on, uh, in, in, like, the street it. performers in Covent Garden would go, they go around with a hat, they go, take your donation out of your pocket, fold yeah. it up and put it in Well, that was, that it's was a Louis through thing that's become right. this big sort of meme across... Oh, yeah. I, I, have, I have teenage children. So this is the news from the post office that in um, July, £800 million was withdrawn, cash withdrawals. Right. And they're saying that through the last year, I think it's more than £3.3 cash was deposited and withdrawn across all its... And that's out. a lot? Or and that's a lot. Well, that's actually the most they've ever recorded. Right. So, you know, cash is supposedly dying. They're saying that, you know, certain restaurants, certain places now, you can't use yeah, cash true. anymore. You have to and take in your card. True. It's massive pain. I had my wallet stolen a couple of weeks ago and I suddenly realised I had cash, but I had no cards. And I spent a couple of weeks having to, like, ask people to buy me drinks and then say, I'll pay, you know, can I give you cash and you pay for my... Yeah, I didn't have... I didn't, that to I didn't, me. Yeah, exactly. But my wallet wasn't stolen. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so this is what they're saying. But what they're what they're sort of extrapolating as to why mm. I I personally don't necessarily agree with. No. Uh, they're saying that they that some people are turning to cash because it helps them plan their spending better. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's 
true. Like you I need to see it physically. It. What it helps you. What it does do is it stops you when you run out. Possibly, but then if you've already taken the money out and you're putting that to the side, and then it's not. It's more. It seems like it's more accessible. So I don't necessarily agree with that. No. And the other thing they're saying is that people using it on staycations more. Right. And that that has gone up, but I don't know if that's enough to account for this. I'm wondering if there might be more of this kind of cash economy going on as Black things market. get. Yeah, as things yeah. get a bit tougher, and I wonder if that might be. I'm sure that's that part be. of it as well. People also just. I mean, if people are worried about money, so they also just feel safer with cash, don't they? Like, psychologically, yeah. people just like cash. Yeah. They're trying to, so Klaus Schwab wants to cash the society. Yeah. He wants us to eat the bugs, but people like meat and they like cash. And so it's one of these unintended consequences of all this stuff is that actually people are going back to cash. Kind of reminds me of, of lockdowns where actually sort of quite left-wing states in America, everyone was going and buying guns suddenly mm. when COVID hit. They're like, we better buy guns. You know, you, you wouldn't think that would happen. They're, they're doing all these left no, Well, done, well done getting a gun story into the cash. Well, it's just, it's just they're trying to get rid of guns. They're trying to get rid of cash. And meat, but people want all of these. That's all I want. Really meat, guns, and cash. The, the, new, new, cash, the new notes are excellent, the plastic yeah. ones, because you can use them as toothpicks and sort of floss. I, I thought you were sort of well, you, about if, to do some sort of yeah, well, tech thing. They're that's, not actually as good for the. Yeah, just but, go to the dentist, Simon. Lockdown's <laughs> over. But um, the, I don't agree with you, Simon, because they, they jump out of your pocket, these. these oh, they're not good in your pocket. They don't sit. Right, they just jump They're kind of useful as tools. One of those interesting things is like in, in the Russia and Soviet Russia in particular, yeah. where they get an awful lot of the government revenue comes from taxing vodka, and when the government is a bit you know tight, it, it, it increases. The, but you have to be careful because if you increase the tax too much, people stop buying vodka altogether mm. and just start putting stills. Okay, <laughs> they just yeah. buy sugar and distill, and they end up drinking meth and going insane. I wonder whether there's a similar sort of thing going on here with the cash. What, you think that people are building yeah. stills? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, though, I think you're right. I think I suspect it is what you euphemistically call the... Uh, well, soon you'll be able to burn it and it'll actually be cheaper. Yeah, than, yeah, uh, the, rub it together. The Metro now, and it seems, Nick, that Asda's efforts to help with the families... The cost of living crisis might have backfired, although I, I'm suspicious of this story as well, to be honest. I'm suspicious as well, but we'll get into it. As the shaming poor families, allegedly, by putting cheap food in bright yellow packaging, so they've, they've come up with these yellow packaging for cheap food, and one shopper saying it screams we're poor, and another's saying uh, they'll have a basket full of poverty markers. <laughs> Which apparently is a thing yeah, now. I've heard of that. Uh, and and it, 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 it's, you know, I, I disagree. I mean, look, I've struggled for money. Many of us have. I've signed on in Biker in Newcastle. Don't recommend it. And um, it, we, it, I don't think there's any shame in it, especially now no. when everyone's struggling. We're all buying yellow sticker things. Mm. And there's even a bit of, there's even the coolness of Freegans eating out of bins. That's like a cool thing now. Jack Monroe. Freegans? Makes, remember Freegans? They eat out of bins and no. it's a trend. No. Is that I've never heard of that because they, they take the, the food that's given. Yeah. That I eat out of our own kitchen. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool now. It's, it, they do in uh, Muswell Hill and stuff. It's where, you know, they're, giving, yeah. they're getting rid of yeah. so much food and the wastage, the freegans yeah. eat it. And you've got people like Jack Monroe make a whole career off it, allegedly, don't sue me. It's I'm not as about if you've got to go to the nightclub carrying a bag of ads to shopping. It's, no. it's not when you're, you know, it's all in context. And, and aren't we also, so I think it's okay, I think it's fine to buy these yellow food. And aren't we also a country that boasts about saving? Any yeah. saving mm -hmm. we can make, any, you know, I got from Manchester to London, I spent 180, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. just, we love saving. Also, isn't that a lot of that food, the same food that's just in a different packaging anyway. They yeah, supposedly they, take yeah. in the, they do it in the same factory and it's the same stuff and they just put it in a different... How dare I mean, I've you... tried to work out, I've asked like people who run restaurants and so on and they yeah. still cannot tell me, is there any nutritional benefit to eating a steak of any kind, like a rump steak or up to a fillet steak, over a burger? If you just get a, a beef burger, which is like six-ounce burger compared to a six-ounce steak, it's half the... I know that a steak is a luxury good anyway, but there's no nutritional difference at all, as far I as think, I can Well, tell. I think there's a lot more fat in burgers because it's mince and they also use different types of meat for... So 
have as much protein. So. Yeah. I've noticed the rump has the most protein. So on a bit less because I've been looking. Yeah, because I'm. Yeah. You know, anyway. I work out a lot. And um, and you know, so there's a difference in protein grams, probably, possibly. So if we want to look like you. Yes, I'm right. going to go for the... But they switched <laughs> well, it from... I'm a bit overweight. So they switched no, it from white, and I would have thought, well, then that would have been the poverty marker, yeah, or yeah. whatever it is. I don't know what's the difference of colour, just it's a bright colour. But also, just copy Waitrose. That's what they should do. Go find out whatever Waitrose, the most expensive stuff they're using, yeah. and then just copy them. Nice, nice, good, cool. Yeah. Moving on, Josh, maybe it's not a good idea to overeat Asda's offerings anyway. According to Tuesday's Daily Mail... Yeah, so um, essentially what's happening is that more severely obese people than ever are having to be rescued by firefighters in terms of getting them out of their homes. And um, it's, it, obesity in adults in the UK has increased from 14% uh, to 28% since 1993. So it's, yeah. there, it's been at, and also on top of that, 36% of us are overweight. Yep. as well. So there's, we do have an issue here. And what it's meant is that since records began in 2012, 429 people were rescued. And it's called a bariatric assist, is that's the official thing. Okay. And you use winches and various other things and have to widen doors sometimes and, and whatnot. And this year, so 429, and then this year it became 1,600. So there's been, you know, that's... But as I say, I'm slightly, we were discussing this earlier, and I don't know that we got to the bottom of it. I'm slightly confused. Are these people being rescued from an emergency? Or well, I'm they imagining being... maybe they're having a heart attack. Maybe there is a medical emergency, yeah. and maybe this is how they get them out yeah. of the house. So now, they're not just happens? being rescued because they just got stuck in their house. I mean, once they're out of the house, you've got to get them back in again, right? Well, that's maybe that's part of these uh, things here. Nice some clarification, Nick. What do you? I think? don't have the clarification on that, but it is a strange world we're in. I mean, police are acting as ambulances. Firefighters have turned into yeah. full lift trucks for fat people, and comedians are being journalists. It's a broken, <laughs> it's a broken culture. Um, and look, I'm very sympathetic because I mean, I'm a bit overweight myself. But it's, it's now here's something quite lefty from me. I'm normally like about the personal responsibility, but when when obesity is that high, yeah. you've got to look at. Can I say the word systemic? I mean, you've got you've got you know foods with, with very calorie dense food. You've got sedentary mm -hmm. lifestyle, uh, office jobs, and so on. It's very hard to lose because you've got to keep, keep that calorie deficit. Then your metabolism slows down, and you put the weight back on. Or you can do like Josh. You do keto, but you lose all your muscle. And you know, oh, it's a muscle still there, mate. It, so me. it is. It is tough, and it, it is tough, don't it? So I, I do sympathise with with this because seriously, they're saying you know it's twenty eight percent, and it's only going to go up. So I don't know what to do about it. I, I have, there was something I saw um, a few weeks ago that's really stuck with me. There was quite a long thread on Twitter, proper scientific investigation into the obesity crisis, which was much worse in America, and it was an American account. And they said there's all these ideas that people have about what's causing it. Is it, as you say, uh, calorie-rich food, or is it there's too much grease and sugar in the, in the same food, or is it the sedentary lifestyle, whatever? They said none of these things actually match up. The one thing that correlates, that suggests there's a problem, is, alti is altitude at which you live. And, uh, and that is an exact correlation across the whole of the United States, essentially meaning that it's the water table and the extent to which your water is carrying um, some kind of hormonal you know, disruption. Are you sure it's not because they're just massively greedy? So, so it has that changed over time? Because if you look at those, you see all those tweets, don't you? Yeah. America back in the day and everyone's thin and on the yeah, beach yeah. and it looks yeah. amazing. And to now, I just assumed it was a gradual decline in our culture and the lack yeah. of meaning. But also, you're Native, saying Amer put, Native Americans aren't, weren't. You're sort of going all fluid on it. You're saying it's, they're it's putting stuff in the true. water. It's altitude. There is almost no obesity at all along the Rockies. Uh, There's loads down the in New Orleans where they're literally like at, at you know, sea level or lower behind the levees. There, it's, it's just an exact map across 
across okay, the whole I'll thing. And I, I mean, I know what you mean about is it aren't they just eating too much? And there is a temptation just to kind of say, oh, come on, you know, for goodness sake, obviously, if you just sit there, stuff in your face. But the point is, you're there's something has gone wrong in your in your mind that is that is not kind of triggering a, a full reflex, a disgust. Right. You know what I mean? There's something. The ghrelin and all know, that. Yeah. There's a hunger well, hormone. But are you uh, saying that? Sorry, but uh, yeah. are you saying that's been added recently because they would, the altitude would have always been the case, and Americans were much thinner in the. Yeah, past. yeah. But what I mean is, yeah, something has been added. There is something. Yeah. There's a pollution effect. Is right. basically you're it's you're less sugar. exposed to the pollution. The sugar is actually in the food. That's not it. The point is, there's something. There's kind of endocrine disruptions are, are uh, in are in the water. In the water, yeah. yeah your I'm, testosterone. There's well, nothing. I know it sounds crazy, but no, there's no, no. nothing else that maps onto it in yeah. the way that that. Can happens. I just say something? Uh, the national, the chairman of the National Obesity Forum, is called Tam Fry. Tam Fry. That may be the problem as well. She replaced Jim Jim Lettuce. Sometimes a story and a person <laughs> so perfectly combined, you just have to wind them up and let them do their thing. So Nick. Talk us through this story about the yes. Hampshire police. Although I've already talked about it so much that I'm almost bored of it, but it is, it is very important. Hate crime awareness courses are scrapped by Hampshire police following controversy. I'm sure you've seen by now the veteran who was arrested because his reposting of Lawrence Fox's meme caused someone anxiety somewhere. Mm. And it was bizarre, uh, dystopian stuff. Donna Jones, the PCC for Hampshire, has said she's going to end this. And what it was... Basically, you, you, they would arrest them, which they did in this case, and they basically said, if you pay whatever it was, 60 quid, 100 quid, you can go on a re-education struggle session, they didn't use those exact words, yeah, yeah. and you can get out of this arrest, which is a bizarre sort of shakedown. Yeah, new like meaning a speed of the word awareness shakedown. course. But yeah, absurd, absurd. And so now those are going to be ended, thankfully. And on a wider note, I'm not even sure, do we even need hate crime? I mean, hate crime is quite useful, I suppose, to see if there's any sort of abuse amongst certain demographics. But if I've been stabbed, I'm not exactly... Was it because of my protected characteristics? Oh, well, be... OK, well, there's an interesting guy. Some guy came down from Midlands, uh, an Islamic gentleman, uh, I mean, Islamist, came down, walked around um, part of London where lots of Jewish people live and basically just beat up a bunch of people, including a boy... And they, 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 uh, the CPS um, prosecuted him for violence, but didn't prosecute him uh, for as a hate crime. And they're the only oh. people that he targeted that day as he and his little hate exertion were Jewish people, visually Jewish people. This is Stamford Hill in, in London, and um, and finally, and and the Jewish organisations all protested that this was an obviously was a hate crime. Right. And so they've they've gone back, and they now are. Also adding that to the list of a list of crimes, but I suppose so, it is important. You've got like the Stephen Lawrence case. You've also got the Telford case and the Rotherham things. Those are kind of hate crimes, aren't they? Because they have a racial well, component or a very good sort of question. Yeah, the thing with this uh, with the uh, Hampshire police and the woman who's decided to to kind of can the whole thing. She said she took over recently and she inherited like a whole load of programs that she sort of looked into and, and one by one she's getting rid of them. But this one it was called but it's part of a restorative justice program and restorative justice. Is the is the kind of category of approaches to a, to a crime which bring together the victim and the perpetrator in order to kind of create a dialogue which will hopefully encourage the perpetrator not to do it again and the victim to feel that they've been listened to. I can't quite see how that fits in with this with this kind of you know two hour. Right. It feels like he's turned into a racket again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in this one, they, it, what he was what was he going to go and talk to the person who reported him for the meme. I mean, they even said things like that, didn't they? Yeah. That his neighbours had reported him. It's like you should check with your neighbours before posting was one yeah. of the suggestions. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a grown man. Did you yeah. hear the quote of a, when when they said, Why didn't you? Someone said to him, Alex McCarran. Actually, I know him. He said, Why didn't you uh, just arrest all the Daily Mail editorial staff because they posted? It. They said yeah. we don't have the manpower. <laughs>
Yeah. And welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans, and powerhouses, maybe power sheds, at least Josh Howey and Nick Dixon. So kicking this last section of Tuesday off, we have The Times with a story about a British institution you just don't mess with. And I'm not talking about the Queen, I'm talking about Radio 5's classified football results. Yes, the tragic demise of, yeah, classified football results. BBC scrapped Radio 5 tradition without warning. Right. And they didn't even give us a warning. And this is, this, so the sports report is saying that we've made it into a shorter programme. We don't have time for these results, which no one's really buying. Malcolm Clark, uh, chairman of the Football uh, Supporters Association, is saying, you know, it's deeply regrettable. Mark Lawrenson has spoken out against it. And it is very sad. James Alexander Gordon was the best. He was from 1974 to 2013. Not on Radio 5, though. Oh, on, on BBC. Yeah, OK. He, 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 was, he was the best one at reading, that, reading out these. So it is just classified scores. It's the same Yeah, yeah, thing. OK. But he, he was one that always said Liverpool nil, like that. Okay. Manchester United too, although that scoreline wouldn't happen anymore, but <laughs> sadly. So it's a very English tradition, loved by many, yeah. and they're taking it away. But of course, this is what the BBC love to do. They love to tinker with things, ruin things, and display contempt for most of the well, nation. You say loved by many, and you're absolutely right, loved by many, but also somewhat hated and incredibly annoying by many. It's different, hated. I guess. Well, look, I was a kid during... Is this when the I was North on, London Liberals? On, no, it's not the North London Liberals. <laughs> your little code there, Mr Alex Jones, uh, to the left of me. <laughs> but I, I literally mean because I live in North London, and you're all libs. But, Can't yeah. be loathed by many people who listen to Radio 5. No, 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 but it used to be when it was on Radio 2, which was okay. when I was growing up, yeah. it was always on. It felt like it was always on. And, it just, and look, when you're a 10-year-old kid, it just felt like it just went on forever. And if right. you're into football, it just was like... Could we split your driving and you're with your family off to some see see some other family and it was just like when is when will this torture? If end? you listen to Radio Five though, you you, you yeah you know no no I agree with you but that it went over in 1994 so before then which was you know at that so what's time. it been what's it is it making way for something else I mean what it can't cost yeah it's making much, way for the the live radio rights to the Premier League I see. so it, it was it's always been sports sport like you say it wasn't necessarily on the same channel but it's BBC it started in 1948. But they're making way because they've got these. But Premier this stuff's League online, rights. right? Like everybody but now everyone, just, just finds the information. People online, love surely. this, Josh. You may not like it, and that's fair enough. But people love these results. It's like the shipping, it's like the shipping forecast. Fair and enough. Gone. Also, that'll go as well. Talk about an OG uh, from Mark Lawrenson. OG, me, but it was like it's original gangster mate. I know you're saying own goal. He meant own goal. The Daily Mail now with a story that perhaps Australians <laughs> aren't always such sticklers for the rules when it affects them. Josh. Yeah, massive hypocrites here. So this is the Australian women's cricket team mm -hmm. uh, at the Commonwealth Games. They were playing India. They won. And one of their uh, star players, seemingly she kind of won the match for them, that's what they're saying, Talia McGrath, uh, she had COVID. So she played some of the match with a mask on and some not. They, they won. They had all big hugs together. Then the bowl, Australian bowler Megan uh, shut said afterwards, oh, if we get COVID, so be it. And so first of all, you go, well, that's a big shift from where we were certainly yeah. a year ago. But but also it's the hypocrisy because of course Australia has been one of the most stringent countries and certainly when it compares to its tennis and what happened, I know you, you'll want to get straight into your man Novak uh, in a sec. He's like, I want to say Novak Djokovic. But look, they've been massive hypocrites. So when Novak Djokovic goes over there, they're spending all that money yeah. to, to stop him from playing and to kick him out. Yet then they go to other countries and they're like, oh no, we've got COVID and that's totally fine. Where was we, this again? This 
here, this is a Commonwealth, yeah, Commonwealth Games, yeah, in, in the UK. In the UK. Yeah, so I mean, technically, yes, it's it's not, the, the laws are different over there. Yeah. In Australia, you have to isolate No, but you're instantly. right, yeah. But yeah. it's just, it's hypocrisy. You know. Firstly, I don't know why everyone's making such a big fuss of Talia McGrath, who's just a character written by Andrew Doyle. Yeah. Secondly, that was a, a sort of, yeah, yeah, word. Um, I was explaining to the camera. Secondly... Might um, also be the sister, it was his name, there was another McGrath who was who played in the uh, 2003 side and, and then twisted his ankle and that that's what tilted the balance and ended up with England. England. Would you remember that? The the, uh, the famous Ashes, Flintoff's Ashes. Oh, cricket. I was wondering, Dolmo, oh, yeah. was I don't know why I didn't get that. Like that but never mind. Yeah. I thought okay. it was football. I was like, I must know it's cricket. No one cares. So, um, the, the, well, some people do. It is disgusting hypocrisy, as you say, Josh. That's all I've got to add. I mean, they put Djokovic in some sort of prison camp, and this proves all along it was never about health, it was political. It was about crushing people's spirit and taking away their choice and making an example of poor Djokovic. So you're right, it's total hypocrisy. But it feels a little bit like the Black Lives Matter protests, which were apparently a, uh, an excuse to, to pass COVID absolutely. around because it was more important to fight systemic racism. And now, because it's women's cricket, it's more yeah. important to... Uh, interestingly, India are complaining that this is racism on the behalf... Of, like, if it had been them, then they right. would have been banned. And they actually have a a really interesting point here where the English uh, paradiscus athlete um, who's got Anish uh, Pillai, he was banned from his Commonwealth final in Birmingham after testing positive. So I don't understand how she can play and he was banned in yeah. the same Commonwealth Games. That may, I don't, I haven't looked at, it doesn't say. Well, let's hope it's bad news for Australia. Much sadder news now, uh, with a bit of an Australian tinge to it as well. This is from uh, California, in fact, though, but an Antipodean icon is no longer with us, Nick. Yeah, well, Olivia Newton-John, dead at 73. Very, very sad. And actually, she was born in England, moved to Australia at age five. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't realize she was 29 when she was in Greece. She sort of associated yeah. with youthfulness. That was in 1971. And, um, 78. 78, it? she was in the film, yeah. yeah. Was it? Where yeah. have I got 71 from? That, that was the very first time that they, they put on a, a stage musical. Oh, so sorry. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and yeah. what's extraordinary is she, she, she had cancer for, since she was diagnosed in 1992, mm. but she just, she just carried on living with it and finding different treatments and things. So, yeah, also she had this very unfortunate incident in 2005. Her boyfriend disappeared. He was on a, a fishing trip off the California coast and they never found out what happened to him. Wow. Okay. But I thought, uh, what I didn't know, and I, saw, I did know that she was a bit older than Travolta and the rest of the cast, what I didn't know was that she was a star before Greece. Mm. So she had, supposedly, five number one hits in the early 70s before she was even cast there, which is sort not of... Not in the UK, I don't think. You know, maybe there, which that doesn't count if it's not yeah. in the UK. Well, I would it, say know? it doesn't, yeah. yeah. But um, I got my stat from CNN. That's no, they were both pretty old. old. She, was tw she was 27, 28, like, something like that, and, and Travolta was about... They were 29. supposed to be 16-year-olds. Yeah. They weren't yeah. even at university, you know, Greece, it was high school. It was kind of ridiculous, but we loved them for it. She was kind of a proto-Kylie, I guess, wasn't she? A little bit. She, she met, paved the way, possibly. The, yeah, and yeah. singing, singing actor. Yeah, cute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well... Farewell, Olivia. Josh, what do you make of this Daily Mail story about the lengths a village has gone to to slow drivers down? Yeah, so they that can be a real problem, people speeding past schools, certainly, and certainly mm. in these villages as well. So what they've done is they've created these bollards, and I think we have a photo, but they look like children. Yeah. And they kind of stand that's there. That's not the photo, that's me. That's, oh. Yeah, and that is, it's supposedly it's very terrifying. And if you were driving at sort of... 20, 30, you know, that might look like a real kid and they're supposedly, like, stay, they stay very still. They're cool. There it is. Billy, it's terrifying, that Billy is. Billy and Belinda. Well, I'd be pretty... Why do you want to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to run me down? It, it backfires because <laughs> you think you're in the omen, you swerve and you... Yeah. Well, it could also be, like, a cho It could be, like, enticing you... Yes. To, like, they're, like... They're, like, sirens or something. Well, just, like, they look like, oh, my God, those are horror 
weird things that yeah. we need to destroy. Also, why are they all white? We, we should have diverse, terrifying oh, no, oh, brown children. One. I have seen a brown one. I mean, no, you no, ruined no, my joke yeah, there. I've seen a rainbow one. No, actually. you cut into it and so, you ruined it factually. So, <laughs> I saw the brown one. I wanted to do my joke anyway. Some of them might well be trans, though, but it's very hard to tell when they're concrete, to be honest. Yeah, but there's Concrete children are children. Well, you assume yeah. it's race. <laughs> they self-ID, so it's totally fine. But seriously, I've seen these before. This is not mm. new. I've done no, it for a few places. A, a few uh, places but they yeah. do seem to be a very Midlands Windsor, thing, I think. think. One. Yeah. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, yeah. Do they, are they all dressed up a bit? And do they look like Prince George posher. and Prince yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little boys in Hello. shorts. <laughs> you may pass. <laughs> well, I suppose if it's saving children's lives, it doesn't matter what it's doing to the mm. mental health of adults. I am optimistic, Nick, that you're going to do this next story in the Telegraph Justice. And, I'm sure uh, I I've got, I'm going to live a long time, is that right? Well, yeah, studies show optimists live longer. Great news for me. And it comes down to two factors. This was a study of 160,000 women in the US, and they answered questions like, in uncertain times, I usually expect the best, or if something can go wrong for me, it will, which is mm. just Murphy's Law. That's just yep. proven. Murphy's um, Law. Huh? Muffrey's Law. Do you know that one? No. Muffrey's Law is when you correct somebody else's spelling on it in a tweet, <laughs> you're bound to include oh, a, a typo in your That's own funny. tweet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 so it's, it's interesting. So it's two factors contribute. Optimists are more likely to embrace healthy lifestyle and blah, 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 but it's also independently associated with living longer and I, I, remember, I know that Francis Bacon was optimistic. I remember him saying, the, you know, painter, the famous the... artist, the artist. Okay. I remember him saying that he goes, I'm optimistic about nothing. And they said, what do you mean? He said, I'm optimistic. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, about, about nothing. And actually, it, there's something in that, it turns out, because you can live a long time. And also, he drank a lot. It didn't seem to matter. Well, Though, I can't actually, say his painting reflects an optimism. Not really. It is, else, it, 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 a bit more outside the work, right, he was okay. optimistic. But can I just add, they're saying here that um, foregoing tobacco and excess alcohol is part of it. But is there anything more optimistic than smoking? I mean, at this yeah. point, if you still smoke and drink heavily with all the data, you're an optimist. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's because they were studied in the 80s and they basically showed that they've all, essentially, the optimist ones have lived four years longer. So that wow. is a larger impact yeah. than you might otherwise think. So it's, it's quite good. They also do this Winston Churchill quote, which is a great uh, uh, aphorism where he says, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And I think that's not What I want like. to know with these things always, and I'm yeah. sure this has been discussed at sort of scientific lab level before they release the, the press release, is it possible that there is a root cause, both of longevity and optimism, which is... Do you know what I mean? Or, is it, or are they suggesting that if you adopt an optimistic attitude, it will work? It's the altitude and the, the water. Well, yes, I suspect <laughs> it probably... No, but seriously, you know, you have these kind of... Oh, you know, these, the idea that it's a bit like the grit mindset or whatever, you know, or the mm. growth mindset or whatever. You just adopt these kind of attitudes. No, it's... People have these attitudes from the same place mm. that their success or their failure comes from. It's, do you know what I mean? It's so like, you think it could be almost genetic. I mean, I'm sure yes. there, there, I'm sure there is. Possibly the diet you're exposed to or, or possibly the nutrition you got it as a child or something like that. I mean, if you yeah. just generally spend the first 12 years of your life experiencing good health, you're probably a more optimistic sort of person by... You know what I mean? No, no, I know easy, what you're saying, but, but then at the same time, if you, I mean, just thinking about my children, you know, they've all had the same upbringing and the yeah. same love and all of the that. Same but, beatings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but then they do have different outlooks. Yeah, there is, that so, is true. It's a mystery. Back to the mail for this story about the most manly man ever. George. Sure, and he's Australian, surprise, Shrine. surprise. Yep. So he's someone called into a radio station in America. This guy is from, uh, he's called Chris from Townsville uh, in North Queensland, but they didn't get a surname, but you don't need to get a surname because he's the, it, Chris with the nine fingers. Yeah. Oh, that Chris, oh yeah, so we know who he is. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, went, went off with his mates. They were out, they were out um, fishing and they were crab fishing and a crab basically bit his finger off 
which sort of sounds like, I didn't know crabs could just literally bite your finger. I, wow. So bit half the finger off. They all thought it was really funny, as you do, because you're Australian, that's Australian humor for you. And um, so they put it aside, they, all, they were like, oh no, we should go to hospital. I was like, no, 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 let's keep drinking. And then the next day they went out fishing and then for a joke, he put his finger, this finger as a bait and caught the biggest fish of the weekend. Wow. And not only that, he then pulled the finger back out and it's in a little jar in his shed. He hasn't shown it back on. In a bottle of meso, mate. Yeah, in a bottle of meso. They call that thing old, don't they? Bloody, bloody crabs chomping off my finger. My only question is, how did they lock these people down? Australia had some of the most draconian lockdowns. Yeah. How do you lock this chad <laughs> alpha male guy? He's like, lockdowns, mate. Nah, yeah, how, what, how did they do it? I, they, they were so massive. I don't know how they've stopped neighbours. When you've got plot, real life plots <laughs> like this, they could have gone on for another 20, 30 That's why they don't You need... almost wonder whether Australia has started releasing stories like this to try and counteract the impression that we've all got of them worldwide now of being a bunch of easily cowed overly obedient sheep. They kind of go with oh, yeah, the point, yeah, yeah. crab fishing stories <laughs> out from the bottom drawer. I never should believe any of that nonsense. The Express has a story. I'm being very uh, cynical for yeah. seeing yeah, afraid no. I am, but it gathers momentum, that attitude. <laughs> for a bit like optimism. The Express has a story that <laughs> laughter might literally be the best medicine. Now, this I do agree with, as it happens, Nick. Yeah, a uh, study finds a surprising link between laughing and bad cholesterol in the Express. Mm. So a Japanese research paper in 2016 found that um, over 20, they studied over 20,000 people. They found that people who never laugh were significantly more likely to have h heart disease. So bad news for Josh's audiences, but ah, uh, ah. I'm so sorry. But who never <laughs> laughs? That's mental. But yeah. it also said that... Um, Other get, comedians. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Um, it gets your heart pumping and burns the same amount of calories as walking. Yeah, but you'd have to laugh for about three miles, at which point you'd probably get arrested. Yeah. You know I mean? It burns, probably means per, like, per It's like the unit. Joker. It's like in the Joker film. Like, that's what he does. Have you, have you ever done one of those laughter workshops. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I did do one in in, uh, in, a, in a yurt in in, yeah. in uh, yeah, Glastonbury. You know they have the Avalon field <laughs> or whatever. And you yeah, just go right. up there and you find all these techniques. There's about 20 people in the yurt, mm. and the guy is saying, "Listen, it feels good to laugh, but sometimes nothing funny happens. You can't get you know to a comedy mm. gig or whatever. What can you do?" And then he had all these techniques, like you pretend you're walking along the street, you fit, you want to have a laugh, you pretend to be on the phone to somebody. There's nobody on the phone. Mm. It's not mm. even not, and you just go. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody thinks you're mad because they think there's somebody on the other end of the phone. So you can just walk down the street laughing. After five minutes of that, you feel really good. And so I tried it, and it actually works. It really does. So if you see Simon walking around Brighton, yeah. he's not talking to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's normal in Brighton, that kind of behaviour. You couldn't do that in, in London. But yeah, I do remember the comedy store used to have that sign. You'd walk down the steps, and they'd have this, all these stats about laughter helping yeah. your health. Yeah. Somewhat offset, you might say, by a night out in Soho. But it, it also mentions here... Uh, it, even diabetics had positive effects. If they laugh for 30 minutes a day, perhaps using your strange technique. So, yeah. I, I think it's really good for you. I really do. And it does elevate your mood and it does release endorphins, right? Which are the same ones mm -hmm. that you get from doing a long run. You know, yeah. and, and you're not going to have an injury. It reduces you? your stress levels, it opens yeah. up your blood vessels, it yeah. lowers the blood pressure. You hear those stories, of, like, is it men over like 50 or something? They just barely laugh. They laugh like six times per day versus yeah, yeah. like 200 when and you're And even teenager. then, it's a nasty, dark laugh, <laughs> isn't it? When they see ah, someone ran into that bottle. <laughs> it's like a child. Tuesday's <laughs> Daily Star is a story about why you should never move in with someone called Duncan. Yeah, so this guy, Henry Gray, he's got a rare neurological condition. It's called lexical gustary synesthesia. 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 I know that one. Okay, cool. It means that he basically uh, can taste and smell words. Wow. So uh, some flatmates of his at university 
um, were called Duncan, Kirsty, and Elijah. Yeah. Duncan, he said, for him, tastes like um, a burp after eating smoky bacon crisps. Oh, that's quite nice. I wouldn't yeah, know. I would no, I actually have eaten those yeah. back in the day. <laughs> Kirsty is a murky wee-wee smell, which is not good, but also... Kirsty is what? A, a, wee, a, a, a He says a murky wee-wee smell. Ooh. Yeah, and, but this is the weird one. Elijah is like licking an eyeball. Now, how on earth does he know what that tastes and smells like, the licking of an eyeball? Like, that's... That's a lot of research that he's doing into his condition, I think. Yeah, there's no flavour at all to an eye. No, ball, but Martin, who is one of the producers Kirsty here... Kirsty wee-wee, though. I feel Kirsty. bad for Kirsty. And I feel Kirsty, but it's yeah. just one person. Martin is fine because it tastes like Smarties for him. Do you have any taste? I have, do you have I, any all I have is, seizures? All I have is a joke. I'm wondering if I'm even allowed to say it. It's been going in my head. I'm not going to risk it because we, 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 get, we get taken off the air. Oh, no, I'm just wondering. How, I can't do it because I was going to say lots of some people are told. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, it, it do, do you bad. ever get any sort you of You can literally save people. It's like a short circuit in your okay. brain when, you, when something isn't like connecting with the right thing. It's, it's actually not that uncommon, I think, sometimes. Do you never get that? No, but then you do what Drew Byer with those, yeah. then you're on the phone. I'm sceptical of whether names can really taste like anything, or if he's just, this is just how he ex subjectively experiences yeah. it. Yeah, sorry, Kirsty, gonna have to ask you to leave. It's nothing personal, it's just <laughs> your, your name reminds me of Wee Wee. <laughs> that is all we have time for, folks. Thank you to my guests, Josh Howie and Nick Dixon. Uh, give them a nice lick of applause at home. Uh, headliners will be back tomorrow at 11 with myself once again and with Josh once again and someone else we haven't even booked yet. See you to the pad. See you there. <laughs> Thanks very much. Good night. I'm back. Hi. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.